0: and welcome back to the program who is he and what is he to you uh, bill with a song sung by dave walker band bozeman's band and uh my guest today gail sulik dr gail sulik phd wrote a book uh, pink ribbon blues how breast cancer culture undermines women's health uh, it came perfectly on time uh, for many who still have the memory of October being the National Breast Cancer Awareness Month to just have that in the memory in your mind and uh, we do hope you pick up your copy uh, read it yourself uh, definitely uh, get a copy for somebody who needs it and Gail is not as a medical, medical sociologist she is not trying to cure cancer here. She's talking about the whole pink culture that has become more important than the cancer itself. And that is one of the issues that um, we we want to address over here that that uh, we want you to know to, to think about. So there, uh, there are, and, and this is something we will hopefully get into in this this next segment, is we have all the promotion for pink. And everywhere you go, you see pink. And then everywhere you spend your money where you see pink, you think that money is actually going to go to research. Well, that is one of the problems where we see that money is not always going to research. Many people just like to cash in or businesses like to cash in on the whole pink culture. Then a a comment that was brought up by one of our callers was some of that money is used in conjunction like a partnership type of advertising such as such as the susan g Komen organization uh works with ford motor company for example and uh you'll you'll hear you'll hear gail talk about that as well and then we we talk about the the actual women who are suffering from breast cancer or dealing with breast cancer which affects not only them their family their friends their 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 professional colleagues so many, pretty much every one of us knows somebody who has breast cancer or who has died of breast cancer, either directly related to family or as a friend. or we hear about it in the news. And so that emotional tie that we feel with this specific cancer in general, you would hope that there are everybody is on the same bandwagon. Everybody says, we have to fight this cancer. And when you look, at the research done by Dr. Sulik, you will know this, that only a very small percentage of uh, too small smaller percentage is actually used for research. And then you see that the research dollars are going primarily, which is, which is my beef. Most research dollars are going to what we already know. The, the same chemotherapy, radiation, mammography, there is no attention to something such as thermography. There is no not enough attention to the dietary aspect. There is not enough attention to Things such as blood root capsules, hydrogen peroxide therapy, oxygen therapy, uh, the, uh, the, the medicinal mushroom therapies, uh, the stem cell research therapy, the, the non-specific stem cells, so to say, that are made in bone marrow, that are already available in our cells. There is no money going to that. So what happens is these researchers, of the, this research on these different methods doesn't get the research dollars. So now it all has to come out of your pocket if you want to deal with this. There, is, um, uh, there, is no su- there are no subsidies. And so it makes it almost impossible when you do get diagnosed with cancer, in this case breast cancer, it makes it almost impossible for most people financially to commit to a treatment that they say is not officially approved by FDA. Even and the American Medical Association, even though we see that there are great results available, and that is again part of what this culture, the pink culture, has done to grab a hold of the organizations that work in their favor and not in the patient's favor, and therefore you see the patients who are suffering. And the family who are suffering and feel there is no way out because the methods that are being used today just do not seem to bring the results. And if Gail Sulik says that about $6 billion is being raised for cancer research, and you look at the very small percentage that is actually used for the the actual research, how much money is actually going to overhead, how much money is going to education and promotional materials, but not to the actual research, we're still stuck with the same technology we've been used for 50 years and there's a problem and so this book pink ribbon blues is giving all of us an insight 10 years of research by dr sulik and two years of writing the book it gives us an insight into the industry behind the cancer and uh, Gail, I really appreciate all the work you have done. And and, uh, as we were talking about with the last caller, she did bring up the Susan G. Komen organization. And maybe you can highlight some of that, what is going on and who they're working with and who they're connected with. And I, I do know that you would like to talk a little bit more about soy and cosmetics and some of the research that was done on that as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's so complicated, and and all I I want to talk about things that you just mentioned (laughs) as well. Yeah. And you know, really, what we tend to see about breast cancer is is the tip of the iceberg. You know, we'll see an advertisement um, from a doctor who says, "quote I find it hard to believe that a little girl born today is ever going to have to worry about breast cancer." End quote, and. So we see things like that happen. We see hope about breast cancer, and then when you get into the nitty gritty, what do we know, and what don't we know, and where is research going, and what is education? Well, then it gets very muddy. Um, and so these issues they they touch people in different ways. But what I'm what I'm hearing in general, you know, from callers as well as from people I talk to, is that there is a whole lot of concern about what we don't know and what we think we ought to know uh, that we just don't. We don't have the information. Um, So when it comes to um, the the soy issue, for example, um, if someone is diagnosed with an estrogen-positive breast cancer, and that is a, a cancer that is fed by estrogen, their doctors will say to them, oh, and you probably shouldn't eat soy but before that diagnosis, you're not going to hear that. Mm. So that's fascinating. So while there are no definitive studies that I've come across, you know, that are definitive that say Mm. soy intake increases or decreases risk, there are individual studies out there that suggest it. And so what the caller, you know, um, what Susie is getting at is how is it that people out in the world are supposed to to take in all of this information and, and figure out what it means for them and what they, what they ought to do to try to make themselves healthier, make their immune system stronger, and prevent disease. And, it, and it's a very difficult thing. Um, yes. And then when it comes to, um, she had also mentioned cosmetics, and there are very yes. strong, strong links between cosmetics and cancers. Um, and there's a, she might be interested, there's a database called the Skin Deep. Database, and I would advise um, everybody listening to go to the Skin Deep database and do a search on everything in their medicine cabinet, <laughs> all the yeah. con- cosmetics and skin products in there, and find out what's in them. And you'd be amazed at the the chemicals that are in them, many of which have been linked uh, to cancers and, and other kinds of. Uh, Health problems, well, as well, neurological,
0: neurological disorders. Yeah, I mean, all yeah. the propylene glycol is uh, yeah. can cause all kinds of neurological problems. So that is something to keep in mind. And and sadly enough, I mean, not sadly enough, there are good enough. There are there are to say there are several companies that produce very clean, very pure organic um, cosmetics. And the problem though is that the shelf life is not as long. Right. as what you find in your regular stores. And so people say, well, would I pay 40 50 bucks on something that I know is healthier for me, but then it only has a shelf life of about two months. I'm never going to get it done in two months, so then I'm wasting product. But uh, these are things to consider, and I think that as these companies are working on the product, they will find some some ways to, uh, to increase their shelf life. But th- there are great products out that are completely clean, they have no artificial anything in it, and uh, they are very healthy for uh, skin health.
1: Yeah, and it's the preservatives that are added yes. into the, the cosmetics and things, as you're saying, that that are really the the issue.
0: Yes. Now, I would like to ask you uh, to highlight some of the work of Susan G. Coleman, uh, the organization, how it started, and and uh, what who are they connected with? What what are, what are they trying to do?
1: Yeah. Well, Susan G. Komen, if you look, um, I have a, a, a whole chapter in the book on, on advocacy and the yes. history of, of breast cancer advocacy in the U.S. and when it really took hold. And um, really in in the 80s is when breast cancer organizations really started to form and get stronger. And um, it was in the 80s, I think mid-80s, that um, Susan G. Komen... Um, came together and was mostly focused on the races. And people are very familiar with the Race for the Cure. Um, And it's in hundreds of cities around the country, and, and there are now millions of people who participate in the races and things. And so as Komen was growing, all of these other organizations were growing as well. Yes, And the National Breast Cancer Coalition is an, an umbrella of, of over 600 organizations, smaller breast cancer organizations in the country, um, organizations. there are organizations in every state, and they focus on different aspects of breast cancer, whether it's providing support through support groups or information. Sometimes they provide um, gaps in care, maybe transportation to uh, Treatments, uh, things like that, or sometimes they provide help with um, financial problems that people have. And there are all kinds of things that these organizations do. And often we don't hear about them because what we do hear is Komen. And you're right. If, if breast cancer is the mother of all causes, Susan G. Komen for the cure is the mother of the pink ribbon uh, in many ways. That's what we see, and so it tends to look like there is one organization that is in charge that is the leader of the breast cancer movement, Mm -hmm. but that's really not the case. It is not a consensual movement. Um, There's a lot of negotiation involved, and so while we tend to see the ribbon and the association with with Komen, the reason for that is that Komen has more corporate partnerships than any other organization. Nice. And with those corporate partnerships comes a lot of advertising. And in 2007, and, and as, as the number of cor- corporate partnerships increased, and it increased a lot uh, in the last five years, yeah. um, you see Komen more and more and more. Um, And in 2007, Komen actually trademarked its own pink ribbon. Wow. And so to me, that was really significant um, because as breast cancer, as the illness itself, as the cause started to become branded, Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. We think about brands like Coke and Nike, (laughs) yes. but issues can be branded too. And so we have the green movement for for environmental stuff, which we could also spend a whole show on. Uh Um, But then we also have the branding of pink. And so put a pink ribbon on something, and there are certain connotations about what that means. It's breast cancer. It's a cause for women. It supports women's health. It's about solidarity, you know, and, and all of that stuff. It also uh, signifies fear of the disease, commitment to the disease, often this idea of awareness though we don't really even know what awareness is anymore. And we identify Komen. So all of that is happening with any pink ribbon. But then in 2007, when Komen trademarked its own ribbon, that was very specifically to identify themselves as the most appropriate breast cancer organization.
0: I see. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Hmm. So when you bring in all of those corporate partnerships and the visibility and through mass media, we tend to see and many people tend to identify Komen with the cause, Komen as the organization, while it's an important one and it did a lot to increase visibility of the disease, it did a lot to bring people together to create support systems,
0: Yes,
1: did a lot of good stuff, Um, but it's kind of been... I I think I would use the word co-opted actually mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to the service of of maintenance now maintaining itself um, to be the leader of the movement and um, presenting itself as the leader of the movement.
0: Well, it is indeed one thing to to spearhead the creating creation of awareness and feel that it is because there is still no cure for cancer that an organization such as the Susan G. Komen organization actually says, we need to make sure that 24-7, we'll make people aware that we need to have a cure for breast cancer. But at the same time, there is money gathered and collected and fundraised that, as you mentioned in your book, what is Susan G. Komen really doing with the money that is being raised? And how many organizations... And companies and, and uh, what would you call it, uh, large corporations are financially benefiting from the whole idea of advertising with pink. How are they personally benefiting and how much money of that benefit is actually going to research? And as you mentioned earlier a company that, that that spent about a million and a half and then uh, on on the advertising and r- the revenue was over 6 million dollars that year so obviously that was very well well worth and how much of that money actually was used for research
1: yeah and and how much of that money was used for research if you ask the the corporations where their money goes if they give it to an organization they'll just say to the organization. They don't know what happens with it after that either. Yeah, And so then we have to look at the specific organizations. What are they doing? And for, for Komen, 25% of their total operating budget goes to the category research and awards. Uh-huh. Um, and in that category, research and awards, it will include things like awards to medical doctors doing specific kinds of research. It will also go to um, community organizations that are doing certain kinds of research and and putting together demonstration projects in their communities. So it's not, not very much of that is probably going to basic research, the kind of stuff you were talking about earlier. And in general, that's true. That's true if if you look at um, the National Cancer Institute as well. And if you talk to people there, how much money is going to basic exploratory research? Not very much, because we don't know the outcomes. And we, we tend to want to look for you know, someone had mentioned the sure thing. It's not that all of the research is that way, but, but you know, such a small percentage is going to the basic, yes. basic
0: stuff. In your book, you say there are no doubt other quality research projects that get their funding through cause marketing programs. However, using breast cancer as a brand name has helped to divert public attention to the cause and away from some of the key factors that are getting in the way of disease eradication. You said, first, each year the American Cancer Society publishes facts and figures on cancer in the United States, including incidence and mortality. From 2000 to 2006, the number of invasive breast cancer, cancers that are those that infiltrate the connective tissue and can invade blood vessels and lymph nodes. So the uh, the incidence <coughs> and mortality in women uh, from rose from 182,800 to 212,920. Uh, And the number of non-life-threatening in-situ cancers, which is early stage, those that have not invaded surrounding fatty tissues in the breast or spread to other organs, rose from 46,400 to 61,980. The number of invasive cancers estimated for 2008 dropped to 182,460, while the number of in situ cancers continued to climb to 67,770. So early stages detected, and now these people are becoming uh, part of this whole culture. So although death rates from breast cancer have decreased for white women since 1990, they have not decreased for African-American women. Breast cancer remains the second leading cause of cancer death for all women after lung cancer. And uh, so, much, so many statistics are being given, and we want to jump on that in our last hour, Gail, as well, and, and some of the organizations that are involved that are working with you and supporting that, that you support as well. So, folks, stay tuned. Uh, Gesundheit with Jacobus and Dr. Gail Sulik, Pink Ribbon Blues. will be right back.